You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. There comes a point from roundabout where he turns them all into statues where it just plop flies out the window and then they just put on a show. You know, yeah. it's very it's very like the Judy Garland Mickey Rooney films, and then they put on a show. <laughs> Welcome to the There Queer Podcast, the podcast where two homos called Liam take a deep dive into the world of horror, get in a car and listen to the Richard Nixon tapes, um, <laughs> go for a drive, uh, get seduced by a beautiful, beautiful alien creature, uh, strap on some stilettos and some fishnets and a corset uh, and sashay into the into the world uh, of horror. Yes, Queen. Yes. That, oh God, went off on a tangent then. It, it, it was a good tangent. It was a fabulous tangent. <laughs> I don't know what happened with your voice towards the end, but it, no, it, <laughs> it definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I think you went a bit Janet, didn't you? Towards uh, towards the end of that. And this week we are joined by none other than the incredible comedic mind behind Myra Dubois and Frank Lavender. Comedian extraordinaire and absolute icon, uh, Gareth Joyner. So thank you so much, Gareth, for joining us on this very, very, very early morning for us. That's okay. I wish we were recording at a, a, another time because I don't feel that your intonation depicted your excitement. <laughs> I think you were still a little... It's 7am at the time of recording to future listeners, and I just think that people need to know that. Yeah. yeah, we'll listen to this back and just be like, "Yeah, we we just woke up, didn't we? Just before we did this." <laughs> well, you need a coffee and a barocca. That's what you need. I've got me. Uh, I'm gonna take a big sip of this now. <laughs> yeah, my coffee cup is filthy. I've just realised that. Ew, bugger. Um, <laughs> but today, um, we invited Gareth on because they are probably, apart from myself, one of the biggest Rocky Horror fans ever, and. I had, it's been, it's been a weird one. Uh, I've never met Gareth in real life, apart from seeing them at a show as an alter ego. Um, oh, have you been to the shows? I've been to, yeah, I used to, I used to live in Manchester. So, you know, I'd, oh. catch, I'd catch a show. But yeah, uh, <laughs> it was just a, one of those great things that happen during lockdown and you make friends over Twitter and it was Lovely. Oh God, Twitter exploded over lockdown, didn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic. I was going to ask you both how you guys like got together, because obviously Rocky Horror has been a big thing on, on the bucket list for us to do an, as an episode, mm-hmm. mm. and pretty much from the off, Liam was like, we need to get Gareth on to talk about this, because this is going <laughs> to be the episode. So, um, happy Halloween, listeners. This is our Halloween episode oh, as yeah. well. Happy um, Halloween. Happy Halloween. But I think the natural marriage as to why I would come up for Rocky Horror is that I'm a huge nerd for Rocky Horror, but I'm also like a bit of a gobshite so if anything <laughs> anything requires me to talk at length about anything i'm usually uh you know 
would this be your mastermind for the category? Oh my God, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I, perfect. I always, Good to know. I always say that I would uh, definitely, yeah, it's the one thing that I I can just, it's grown with me. I first saw it when I was about 12. And when I first saw it, it what appealed to me about it was that it was, um, it, it resonated with something deep within my DNA that I wasn't quite old enough to understand or have the language to understand. But I knew that what I saw was something uh, that I had within. And then uh, I just enjoyed it for that. And I enjoyed the songs. And then as I grow older, I started to watch it. And every time I watch it, I take something new away from it. Still mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. at the big old age of 35, it's still delivering new things to me. And um, it's the thing I, I enjoy the most. Oh, I thought I would uh, reiterate for our listeners, in case any of you are big Rocky fans, uh, we will be discussing the Rocky Horror Picture Show today, uh, not the Rocky Horror Show. That's We're not a theatre podcast, but maybe one day. Oh, um, I'll be talking about the Rocky Horror Show. I think you can get rid of that disclaimer, because I'm going to keep <laughs> linking it back to different cast yeah, albums, yeah. different portrayals. We're going to be talking about, <laughs> about both. But it's an important distinction to make, because the Americans mm. always refer to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and they're, they are mm-hmm. two different things. They are yeah. two different things. They have slightly different songs, for a start. Yes, they do. I was... Um, so I was... My mum and my nana tells it that I was about two or three years old and I was uh god you were young I know but I was um <laughs> I was at my auntie Pauline's house and she had like a this huge display cabinet of videos and I was like looking through one to watch because she was looking after me that day and I saw like the cover was just like this creature sat in between a pair of lips and I was like well <laughs> that looks fun um and my auntie Pauline was like Maybe, maybe you're a bit too young for that. <laughs> and I was like, I know what I want. <laughs> well, let's put that on. Um, and I was like, I remember being blown away by just like bright lights, pretty colours, great music, mm-hmm. and just an all-round good vibe. Let's just say that. Um, what's really <laughs> funny is uh, they're in Denton in the movie. Uh, at the beginning and it's yes. the home of happiness yeah. um so where i grew up in manchester in openshaw the like next borough of manchester next to us was called denton so i was like <laughs> fully convinced as a kid yeah. oh my god this is set down the road <laughs> it's just around the corner yeah. i my mom, love that i wanted my mum to take me and she was like there's now in Denton that you want to see me. Like, <laughs> now in Denton. Let me go. It's the home of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> the Transylvanians are just down there, please. So that um, that brings me to a another like not tenuous horror link, but um, I mm. really love the damn it Janet scene because it invokes yep. like feelings of uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, you've got like Brad dressed as whatever his name is in Night of the Living Dead. I didn't care. Ian? Uh, yeah. Ian? I, I will go with Ian. Ian I think Barbara. it is. Where did the names? I think it, I think it is. They're coming um, for you, Barbara. They're coming for you, Barbara. <laughs> Stop yeah. it now, I mean it. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's dressed just like him and the graveyard really looks like similar. Um, but I just, I mean, to me, it, it just screams like Southern Gothic. Yeah. Like it's, it's just beautiful. Like that, um, as a filmmaker, that's, kind of something i really want to play in and i want to like 
do my own version of that because because obviously this a lot of this comes from like a British perspective and British talent yeah. and obviously there's the heavy American influence which I, I take was obviously a stab at trying to appeal to a mass market and and obviously America is indeed where there was the breakout and I think it did start to take the world by storm mm. um but yeah southern gothic horror that whole styling of it and I mean um when you've got Riff Raff and Magenta playing like the farmer and his wife from the iconic oh, painting. Oh, from the American it's, Gothic, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> love, 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 love it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's perfection. I a, love the opening. Yeah, what I really like is, um, so this was a whole different beast to what was happening on stage. I mean, the elements were there and you still had the the core cast mm-hmm. and, and crew who had who come back. But yeah, this was, they needed to up everything. Um, yeah. So originally they wanted it to be a film that was just set in a cinema and things were happening around it like it was on stage. But then they were like, actually, this is the perfect opportunity for us to make a movie that looks and feels like those B movies that not only influenced us, but we sing about at the beginning of the show. And yeah. it really feels that way from the RKO um, structure at the end, yeah. which, oh, yeah. Um, well, it's like the it's the King Kong kind of almost moment, isn't it? Yeah. That like the beast climbing the tower and falling. And it's just to yeah. It's Ugh. just it, it's it's perfection. And I mean, I think you can definitely tell how passionate. Obviously, everyone who was involved in making it was mm-hmm. about like the source material as well. And yeah. I never really, but well, not obviously, but at that age, hi, Silverback. Cat wants to make a cameo. Hello. Um, at that age, she um, not she. At that age, me. <laughs> Cat in the brain now. Um, that age, I didn't really pick up on much other than how fun it was and, you know, how much I liked it. And then, again, as I got older, it's always... I've always taken something new from it uh, through every rewatch that I do. But it was it was around when I was about maybe 10 or 11. I was, like, thinking, like, oh, this, this explains a lot, like, why I've never really... I've never really questioned my own sexuality or gender or anything like that. And I feel like it was because of this film. It's never, mm-hmm. in terms of, I've never had an internal, an internal conflict because of it, because growing up, not to get all like deep on it, but this film literally taught me that, you know, everything's fluid. Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. It, it definitely, um, I think it sparks a lot of conversations. I'll probably say watching this film, um, was probably the first exposure that I had to gender fluidity and all of that kind of side of things. And I, I don't know, I still think it's it, it's somewhat still controversial for a lot of people, isn't it? Even in this day and age. Um, I know particularly like the older generation, I still know it's a bit like, oh, Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> sort it, of thing. So. See, I, the thing I find fascinating about, if you go and see a Rocky performance... And you'll see people who never once a day in their life have decided to do anything daring. Like they'll be like Charles from accounting, and he's uh, he's worn like chinos and a pressed iron shirt for all of his life. Um, yeah. But for this show, he will literally don high heels and suspenders and fishnets for the evening. That one evening and, is liberating, and, and not. Yes, taking it in jest, but also at the same time, not feeling like he's being ridiculed or is ridiculing anyone else. And yeah. 
I love that so much. I think that's the unique angle of it, isn't it? It's it's absolutely it's a celebration more than anything. It's not a mockery in any way. Um, so both of you guys watched it pretty young, then I take it it was it's been fairly influential for a long time. Uh, when I saw it when it was on BBC Two, like really late at night. But um, going back a couple of points though, because um, I think people listening to this will be interested about the film itself rather than like what I was doing when I was twelve. Um, I think well, no one gives a shit that I was watching it uh, 1999 on BBC Two at late at night. What you I think what you said about it's still controversial. What I enjoy is that the the controversy with it has morphed and um, mm. responds to certain times. And now there there was a, there was an article doing the rounds about two years ago about how Frankenfurter was a negative depiction of a trans person, which mm. made me raw because like if you're if you're looking at Doctor Frankenfurter for a, a positive portrayal of anything, like you know, <laughs> and and you know the the, the two recent attempts to remake Rocky which were uh, first the Glee version and which is always going to be highly sanitised and then the the remake, have you both seen the remake, the uh, Vern Fox? Yeah. 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 So um, they 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 tend to have uh, gone too far in the direction of um, they're being too earnest with it. So yeah. they cast mm. a trans woman, Laverne Cox, as Dr. Frankenfurter. And I understand the logic of casting a trans person in the role, but Frankenfurter is certainly a man. It's in the lyrics, yeah. I'm not much of a man by the light of the day, but by night mm-hmm. of a hell of a lover, or all these pronouns are he, him. So it should really be a trans man playing it if you're going to go down that route. Mm. And uh, so there's been some responses to that as well. I could wax lyrical about that for ages, but I guess we want to stay focused on the original, don't we? Yeah, I will say uh, the one thing I give the the remake it's due for is I think it's it's the science fiction double feature is fantastic. I mm-hmm. love the... I love, I think Ivy Levan's vocals are great and a bit too poppy, but, you know, I'll give it that. But I really like because Rocky Horror started uh, in a tiny, tiny theatre uh, and then they always wanted it to look like this abandoned cinema and mm-hmm. they kind of were able to do that with this, which is which is great. And I really mm-hmm. like the opening and I really like the, the bit where, as the usherette, she walks past the like the movie posters that the song. So I really liked that yeah. bit, but then I, I'll turn it off. After. It was a descent <laughs> after, after, after But the it just works in and itself as a music video. And I think like, let's, let's give some factoids as we go along with this. So it did mm. start in a tiny theater and that theater was the theater Royal upstairs, uh, the Royal court theater upstairs. Uh, I correct myself. 1973, the film came in 75. It had the same cast largely with a couple of exceptions of Jonathan Adams played the narrator in the original stage show, he was our Dr. Scott in the movie. So your listeners will know him as Dr. Scott. Meatloaf came in from the LA Roxy version and subsequent Broadway version. Um, and the uh, Magenta doubled as the Usherette, which is what Ivy Levin, am I saying that correctly? Levan, I believe. Levan. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, that's and that's what she was re- replicating. Um, she's become known as Trixie, uh, which I think was something that came through the shadow casts, which I get, guess we'll come on to. But the show started with a, an usherette delivering what I think really is a syllabus of uh, horror films and sci-fi films that relate Absolutely. to where Rocky Horror comes from. And um, originally in the movie, they were going to have that. They were going to have clips from the films. And Mm -hmm. uh, in the end, they went with the the iconic Red Lips, which was based on Man Ray's lips over Hollywood. 
and um, which is behind you right now. Although they are not the lips that appear in the no, film. No, no, they are not. No, they, they are, are not Patricia Quinn's lips. Uh, uh, is this visual? Will people see what I'm pointing no, at? No, no, they won't. They won't. Luckily, oh. so so is that? I have. Uh, <laughs> I have the iconic lips uh, used for the marketing uh, of the film. Um, yeah. They were actually not Patricia Quinn's lips. They were, I've forgotten Go, the name, but it ends with Google her, record yourself saying it, and just <laughs> drop it in later yeah. as if it just we'll flowed it naturally post. like conversation. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Clean but that up I, in post. <laughs> a fun fact about that is her surname is Shark, and the tagline for this was uh, a different set of jewels because jewels yeah. came out just before. Love that. Just before, yeah. But they didn't know how to market it, did they? Because they also no. had another one that said, he's the hero. That's right, the hero. And it was just also disjointed. And mm-hmm. and I think they assumed that Jaws was going to be <laughs> something that these people, I don't know, the, the guys at 20th Century Fox didn't have a clue. But uh, but that um, the opening with Ivy Levin, you're right, it is so... But I thought the whole remake... I don't, it's weird to discuss the remake before we discuss the original, but mm-hmm. the remake paid good fan service, I thought. I didn't enjoy it as much as the original, of course, no. but um, I don't think it was as terrible as people make out. No, but not But we at can all. get round to that. We can get round to that. I will say the opening science fiction double feature like, is probably like my favourite like part of the musical. like, And I think it is because mm-hmm. of how referential it is. Um, and I did, even in the remake, I did appreciate that, how how it started. I, I did very much enjoy that. One thing I do want to kind of just touch upon, because you just mentioned, the, obviously, the remake and the Glee version. This mm-hmm. is where my shocking confession comes in, because I didn't actually first watch Rocky Horror until I was, think about... Uh, 16 or so and it's actually I got into it through the Glee version (laughs) (laughs) that was my first kind of real exposure um, to it so my my other half at the time um, she was massive on uh, Rocky Horror and I didn't really know much about it and I was massive on Glee Um, and then they did the special and I actually really really enjoyed it obviously then that snowballed into me actually finding out more about it and I'm glad Mm. it did Um, so I think that's my positive experience from Glee was finding out about Rocky Horror. So I, See, I think I I've got think the album a, somewhere. A, a, a shocking confession. And I think things like the Glee version and the the, the remake, they, they do keep it alive and they direct people back to the original. And I, I think to sort of, um, you know, it's a bit gatekeepy to be very, you know, to, to d- dictate what is the correct way to consume this. Yeah. And 16 is the perfect age to see it because it's a, a sort of coming of age uh, yeah. experience for many people, yeah. which um, occupied a space that I think has been taken up by Drag Race a little bit, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. is like, if you want to express yourself and experiment and try on makeup, Rocky Horror used to be the place that you uh-huh. could go and do that. Um, but whereas now it's, you know, drag con. Uh, yeah, and it is. It is. It is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not um, as familiar with that side of things as you're going to be. Um, but I do think, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. That kind of pocket of pop culture seems to be very occupied by this kind of mainstream idea of, of drag. And I very much, from my experience and my point of view, I very much thought this was a very different kind of take on it and gender in general. Um, one thing I do want to ask, because obviously for, for listeners as well, um, Gareth, you're well known around the world for a variety of different performances and, and characters. Do, do you think that Rocky Horror in some way did influence you to get into a career like that, do you think? Oh, like without a doubt. So for people listening who don't know, I perform as Myra Dubois and uh, I have another character called Frank Lavender. 
And uh, they, um, like Myra's genesis is rooted firmly in Mia's Rocky Horror. And certain, if you know where to look for it, you can see um, where where the, what would the word be? I don't know. But you can see what the evolution is, what the genesis is of that. Uh, so, for example, she's often, more often than not in a fishnet, she um, <laughs> she is a, she's a big fan of pearls. Pearls are something that she wears an awful lot. It's that tacky kind of leopard printy, um, which is it's all it's all there in the the Frankenfurter aesthetic, and the you know the house which is so detailed. Um, I think it was was Brian Thompson the designer, mm. and he um, the the world that he designed is so intricate. And it's mm. so tacky and it, it's right, you know, and that that's very Myra. Um, and I had a, growing up, I had a, so I've always had a, a gob on me. I've always, <laughs> uh, I've always enjoyed uh, experimenting with dressing up. Rocky Horror was very, it gave me a space to do that. Mm. And um, without a doubt, it it sort of was one, it laid one of the facts. If, if there hadn't been Rocky Horror, I don't know what my stage output would have looked like today wow i don't necessarily know that it would even have taken a uh any kind of transvestive uh direction that's that's <laughs> incredible to learn it was yeah, <laughs> yeah no thank you well we were skirting along the subject of the opening of this film mm-hmm. now the original opening planned for the film obviously we talked about the celluloid but there was another way that um Lou Adler and everyone else wanted to go along with it. It's um, actually have something from the original script. And uh, it was the first image is a set of red velvet cinema curtains. There's a soft drum roll. They split optically to reveal the distribution company and logo, Fanfare. A small white screen, academy size, appears in the middle of the format. On the sides of the image are stationary sprocket holes of celluloid, science fiction, double feature, um, blah, blah, blah. So, and then the movie would have started in black and white. It would have gone into widescreen. And we wouldn't have had our first pop of colour until Frank's, until Frank threw off that cape. <laughs> it was meant to be just his lips as well, wasn't it? And then yeah, it was, it was supposed to zoom, wider. Yeah, zoom in on uh, the red and lips. The red, yeah, and, that, then, and, mean, then, but, and I oh. think on some DVDs, they have a sort of kind of recreation of that, don't they? Mm-hmm. Which was another thing that was borrowed from The Wizard of Oz. It was meant to be uh, going into Technicolor and yeah. uh, alongside the, the sped up voices of the Transylvanians. Yeah, they were going to be our, our munchkins. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, incredible. Um, I love yeah. that. So the reason why I really wanted to speak about this this film is because I feel like this is the perfect intersection of what we want to do with our podcast and exploring queer themes and bringing horror together. Because as usual, I will say that horror isn't like undoubtedly queer as a thing. And I feel like this movie is the one where it's just like, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it... I feel like this is the, it's informed a lot of who I am. It's informed a lot of my choices. So obviously, so when I was little, because of this, this film, hearing all these like titles, as I grew up and my Nana was working in Blockbuster, I would see some of these titles somewhere. And I was like, I need to pick that up because that's in, that's in the title song. I still haven't seen every, it's on my bucket list to see every film that's (laughs) mentioned in science fiction. I still haven't. That would be quite a list. I imagine. I mean, Yes. I, I think I think this is so I, I'm I'm not always the biggest fan of musicals myself I will say but I think this is the one for me and I think it is 
because of that reference to other elements of like kind of the time b movies all of that but i always wonder how rocky horror fits into um the the genre of horror um because and it's true of all horror musicals really there doesn't seem to be a way to successfully um do genuine horror as in genuine suspense it mm-hmm. tends to go down the horror comedy route so yeah you know yeah. little shop of horrors toxic avenger um sweeney todd i guess is the closest yeah. that comes to genuine horror um mm you know, the actual gore in it. Um, whereas Rocky Horror is more of a love letter to, a juvenile sort of love letter to comic books, horror. There's ov- obviously a lot of Mary Shelley in this. And, uh, you know, I have a really great programme from the original run. It had moved venue. It left the Royal Court. It was now at the King's Road Theatre. And um, I've got a programme. And at the bottom of the programme, it said, a special thanks to Hammer Horror, without whom, and then an ellipsis. Which I really loved. Is like a, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, Love it's that. it's nice. And so it was. And there's. I wish I could remember which hammer it is, but um, there's one of the post Christopher Lee Draculas mm. in which Christopher Lee does not feature. It was one of the ones where Christopher Lee was like, no. And so um, <laughs> there, there's a, a very young sort of very heavily bisexual coded vampire in it accounts and i was like oh my god that's frankenfurter mm. like the cadence the voice the cape that everything and i was like that and um and i think um the the tank that rocky's brought to life in is if not the same a very close reproduction of the tank used for the christopher lee frankenstein with Peter yeah, cushion mm-hmm. that's right and they painted it garish red uh because yeah. um the set designer went to a hotel in Amsterdam that had pink tiled walls and yeah. red, <laughs> like a red sink, a red bath. <laughs> so it's just... That's such a weird colour, isn't it, for a, a bathroom? Yeah. Love that. But though. I don't, I don't <laughs> think it is the same one because I've looked at them frame for frame and compared, and either they modified it or reproduced it. But the fact remains, it's a direct homage to that particular one. So its roots mm-hmm. are very in. Um, what would have been quite contemporary horror cinema at the time yeah. of Rocky's release. So it fits in a funny interchange, Rocky Horror, with horror fans, because it isn't actually in and of itself horror. It's not scary, but it, no. it sends so many... It does as much fan service to horror films as I thought the remake did to the original, you know? Yeah. So, mm. And I, mm. I can't watch uh, a Hammer film now without pointing out to whoever's in the room whenever they use Oakley Court. Yeah, I always, I always have to every Hammer film where it pops up. I'm like Oakley Court, Oakley Court, Oakley Court. Have you ever Have you ever been? I have. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh, very wow. jealous. So I um I have a I have a friend who I'll talk more about them later because they've wrote, written a book about Rocky Horror. But just in case they're listening, Rob Bagnall, uh, he's like one of the probably the biggest Rocky Horror fan that I know. I say biggest, he's like the biggest collector of like memorabilia and stuff like that. And he goes to a yearly convention at Oakley Court uh, for Rocky Horror fans, uh, which I'd love to go to, but I've seen the cost of it and I <laughs> can't afford that. But um, so yeah, for, for those listening who don't know, Oakley Court is just on the bank of some extension of the Thames. And it's the filming location for not just Rocky Horror, but it was used because it's right next door to the Hammer Horror Studios. It was used in a lot of Hammer Horror films. Uh, And it's now a hotel and you can visit it. Obviously, you're not going to bump into like Tim Curry or anything there, but you might do. Um, (laughs) That'd be great. 
but yeah, it's um, I'd like to go, but I also I don't have it's that true. amount of disposable income. <laughs> but I only went for afternoon tea. You don't have to stay in the hotel to to oh visit okay it. to enjoy the um, atmosphere. <laughs> I just went for an afternoon tea. I sat in what would have been the ballroom, you know, where the doors throw open, yeah. but then they cut to the studio. Um, mm-hmm. I sat just through those doors where Riff Raff kicks his leg up. But it is oh. it's quite <laughs> remarkable um, it, to stand there, and it's very familiar, especially the door mm. where Brad and Janet stand. You know, when they press the yeah. bell and they wait to be let in. It was very very weird being there. And they've got a couple of um, the the hotel does sort of pay respect to its past. You know, there's all every I think there's a film poster of every film it appears in around the venue. Oh, that's oh, fantastic! Wow. So that's cool. Yeah, so I went to the toilet and there's all the hammer posters and everything. And you no, know, it's it's a great place to to go to. I'd love the fact that. Um obviously this film was birthed out of such a love for those sorts of movies and you can see where all of this has bled into into it and like we said obviously kind of using or replicating exact props like it was that specific I love mm-hmm. the fact that it's obviously so it's it's one of the um, I believe obviously it is it sets the record doesn't it for being the longest running picture in cinema like you can still go and see it um, I love the fact that it's had that longevity and become almost if not more iconic than kind of what it was inspired by so these iconic films and horror films that it's it's paying homage to it, it's it's on that level now almost by the fact that it shares so much DNA um, and I do I, I mean, what is it that you guys think is is why it does kind of persist and why it does have that life still? Because it's still something that is so popular. Is it just because it is so wacky and out there? Or I don't know if it is. I I, I don't know how popular it is with current sixteen year olds. I don't know mm. if current sixteen year olds are finding this movie, and this is why I'm glad things like Glee and everything cover it. When you go and see the stage show in the UK. Mm. Um, the audience is noticeably older. You know that that mm. that I we went last year, and um, I I think I was one of the youngest people in the room at thirty five, not thirty four last year. But um, <laughs> but and everyone, you know, we're all talking about it, and everyone sharing stories as we are. But mm. I notice that there's a few younger people there. But um, I don't know, and I really don't know. I'm not saying I don't think it is. I'm saying mm. I don't know if it is connecting with younger people. So I'd be interested mm. to see what the next 50 years would look like for the, yeah. the show. Mm. Especially as, you know, we're at a point now where conversations about gender have um, transcended anything that uh, Rocky Horror could have predicted. And, you know, mm. transvestite is a contentious term. So, uh, mm. um, you know, the, there's a lot of... Um, I know Laverne Cox gave an interview somewhere where she talked about the conflict she had around the song and she knew she couldn't change the lyrics of the song, but they changed Frank's pronouns to she, her, which doesn't fuss me hugely. But um, people for the longest time, especially the last 50 years of the film, Mm. I've always talked about how timeless, well, the show, how timeless Rocky Horror is. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it will continue to be true. I think in more recent years, it's definitely, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you said, I think I actually saw that article where they were saying how controversial and almost offensive the figure of Dr. Frankenfurter was. And I think um, it is interesting because I think for the longest time, like literally since its release, maybe right up until quite recently, this was something that started those conversations in the first place. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't really anything else. I mean, I, I 
don't, I think obviously more recently, there's definitely been a lot more in the way of representation, but I didn't see anything like this for the longest time. Um, and this was my first exposure to these kinds of ideas. So I, yeah, I am interested to see where it goes and whether or not it does become, it falls victim to, I suppose, this way of cancel culture because things don't fit the way that people speak about things well, now. First of all, I'm going to contest the use of cancel culture because what a bullshit term. <laughs> I don't want anyone listening to this podcast to think I'm condoning the myth of cancel culture. Um, I also exist. want to go on record uh, to say that the article, that uh, calling it an article is already complimenting it. It was written <laughs> by some fetus of a student at some university in America who was, I have writing that I did when I was 18 years old that I am very very glad never made it to the public sphere of the internet. <laughs> and so this person has obviously watched Rocky Horror and decided I'm going to have some hot takes. And um, I may be talking a little defensively here as a fan, but I am also a queer person, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so I don't think, I think this article missed many points. And mm. so um, it was quickly laughed off the internet um, uh, it's and, quite you know, rightly so, because if you mm. are watching this film and thinking, well, Frankenfurter is clearly the hero and the and the model character that everybody needs to be looking at. Yep. It's like, it's, it, but that's <laughs> <What>? like, <laughs> this person, I would love them to watch, I don't know, oh, the, the, the devil was misunderstood in The Exorcist or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was their follow-up uh, thesis, that was, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> I watched this film for the first time with a friend of mine um, called Jimmy, if they're listening to this. And uh, Jimmy uh, is a, um, I think they're in their mid-twenties, maybe even late-twenties. They are, you know, a non-binary, genderqueer, etc. and so on sort of person. And they were really upset at the end when, spoiler alert, Frank dies. <gasps> and um, they were genuinely moved. And when we talked about it after the film, they said that, um, oh, they, they wouldn't let him live, you know, like, mm. like it had to be stamped out. And, you know, even Dr. Scott says at the end, society had to be protected. Mm. And um, it, it really interested me that someone was genuinely moved by that and connected yeah. with the film in a way, because I was just like, oh, the songs are camp. Oh, the aesthetics, <laughs> this, that and the other. And, and, and Jimmy, like, gave some time to think about the implications about how this person who was living a very queer lifestyle polyamory you know gender mm -hmm. fluidity and um, they had to die which um just follow the rules of horror films because they were generally especially the golden age of horror that this is really um referencing it, it they all those films were produced under the Hays code yeah so uh, yeah. any characters who displayed any kind of you know queer leanings had to suffer so in that way, it's interesting to watch Rocky Horror and think of Frank as a victim, which I never had done. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was incredibly interesting. I think he's the perfect anti-hero for me. I mean, you're, yeah. you're absolutely, obviously he's a completely flawed and out there character. And yeah, he shouldn't be the, I don't know, the, the idea of, of perfection um, that mm. I think a lot of people hold him up to be. But um, I think you definitely feel for him at the end. There's been some discussion recently about the bedroom scenes and about whether the sex that Brad and Janet have with Frank is consensual. Mm. Um, and I think that is an interesting talking point because uh, mm. I think... Rocky Horror is a very adaptable text. You know, yep. what Richard O'Brien wrote. 
Oh my God, we got like halfway into this podcast without mentioning Richard O'Brien by name. Good God. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Richard O'Brien. Slap myself on the wrist. <laughs> wrote this um, text and it's in- in- incredibly adaptable and um, open to interpretation as lots of theatre is. And so really, I think that's down to the actors how to play it. And in that mm-hmm. scene, I've always thought as Frank as representing the unlocking of an acknowledgement of desire within Brad and Janet. Yeah. which had laid yeah. dormant. And yeah. so I think the sex that they have is very consensual um, because Frank is appealing to something that exists. He's receiving signals from Brad and Janet that they want it. With that said, he does dress up as someone to obtain that consent. <laughs> so it's murky. The waters are murky. You! I'm afraid so, Brad. But isn't it nice? Why, you! What have you done with Janet? Uh, nothing. Why do you think I should? I was reading about how that scene was originally going to play out, and it was going to play out that um, Brad, uh, in particular, would have found out who he was again, like <laughs> halfway through the act. It would have been mm-hmm. shot that um, our quote-unquote Janet was being done from behind, and then a wig slipped off, and then it turned out it would have been... So it would have been very different then. Um, the, the water is less murky in that. Yeah. 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 I do but, love how they do the uh, that scene, though, on stage, like when the bed oh, comes in. I just think it's Oh, in the current incredible. UK production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen it for a few years now. I think when I went to see it on stage, uh, Danny Harmer, Tracy Beaker, was, was Janet. So... And I, I thought she was great. And I mean, um, I'll have to Google who Frank was when I went to, to to see them. But yeah, they were also just everything you'd want. And I mean, I think as well, the audience participation is a big part of of Rocky Horror. Like I didn't realise all the yeah. ins and outs of like the the back and forth between. Well, that the actually came the... from the film. Uh, it, yeah. So it was never a thing before the the film was a thing, and it was it happened during um, so. For those who don't know, the film came out and it didn't go down. It was received quite poorly. They tried to have a a Broadway run to coincide with the release of it that didn't go down very well. And then the movie didn't perform very well, but also Fox didn't really, they were a little bit ashamed of it and didn't know what to do with it at the time. So, uh, but then Richard O'Brien gets a, uh, gets a call and they're like, Oh, um, have you heard what's going on in America? It's like, no. And he's like, Oh, well, it's been shown in these like theatres at midnight and people are getting up and they're writing their own like little quips to go in with the film. Oh, and then oh, he was asked, oh, did you leave these certain pauses in this film there intentionally? And it's like, no. And but it's like, so they were filling in. And so it's kind of that beautiful thing that happens with cult films and queer people is yeah. we will create our own little universe around something and uh it's just a testament to how much this show means to people i think mm. uh, no absolutely i think it's it's it well it's a phenomena isn't it and i think it will continue to to be so i think like you said though gareth i'm very interested to see what the next iteration or the next kind of cycle 
of uh, Rocky Horror will be. Um, I don't know if this is a controversial question, but do you guys have a favourite character? Is there someone, maybe, I know obviously Frank is something I think a lot of people talk about, but um, I've met people and spoken to people who obviously are massive Magenta fans. Um, they, they might be uh, Columbia fans. Uh, so is there anyone that you you kind of particularly enjoyed? Uh, I it, It's a really obvious answer, but Frankenfurt was the one who appealed to me. But I think that's the adaptability of the characters on offer here is that they there's something for most people to relate to uh so i don't know who it would be but there was something about frank you know the the mania of him the split personalities the gender expression i found it all very exciting also as a show-off you know <laughs> that, yeah. he spoke to me as a show-off i mean what i love is that in the film there, there comes a point from roundabout where he turns them all into statues where it just plot flies out the window and then they just put on a show you know yep. it's very it's very like the judy garland mickey rooney films and then they put on a show um uh, and i uh, you know i i like that and tim curry's portrayal has a lot to do with that you know um everything that tim curry put into the character there's a wonderful i'm sure uh liam j you have heard this um liam b you may not have but if you haven't there's a really great bootleg of tim curry playing the role on stage at the belasco theater in new york and it's so interesting to hear tim just relax into the script, have fun with it. By this point, he played the role in London, Los Angeles, and he was playing it on Broadway. So he knew it inside out and he's ad-libbing and quipping with the audience who aren't joining wow. in because this is before the shout-outs yeah. developed. So to um, so that energy captured as best as they could on celluloid, um, that was really the thing that appealed to me. And I, I want to give you a less obvious answer. I want to, you know, say, oh, well, actually, it's riffraff bit. No, Frank, <laughs> Frank, Frank, Frank. <laughs> no, uh, no, my, absolutely. Mine is also Frank and it always has been. It's, um, yeah. again, for very similar reasons as a child who loved attention, um, this was the person who was getting all the attention and so did I, but also like as things progress and I realized that, you know, how ridiculously attracted I was, um, to Frank and Tim Curry, it wasn't until I must've been, it was around 10 and 11. It was quite a, uh, good age, but, um, I got introduced to the film clue, which I think is yeah. one of the greatest movies ever made. And I was watching that and I was like, oh, this really reminds me of Rocky horror. Like, in, you know, and, and then I was like, oh, Tim Curry's in it, of course. And I was like, wow, Tim Curry's attractive. And then I was like, oh, well, Frank's the most attractive thing I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. And I, to this day, I don't think there's a character out there that I, I've never wanted to be on stage anymore like that was a dream that went out of the window a, over a decade ago but if like somebody put on like a small little like showing of rocky and like, oh we need a frank i would beat people to death uh <laughs> for the role you heard it here first folks <laughs> no, I, really, I, I absolutely get it though i get why people respond to, to frank so i wish much. that we had those screenings over here like they do in america do you know like the the live shows um, and i they really used wish to happen more often but since the sing-alonger franchise happened and since any venue with a dvd player decided it could show rocky horror it's become yeah. quite it does it doesn't have the same momentum they don't connect with the fans i went to a screening at the clapham ground a couple of years ago that had uh, like an international european shadow cast 
Oh, and wow. the shadow cast for any listeners that don't know is uh, people who jump up and create, recreate the film in front of the screen. And um, and uh, that was pretty good, especially in the Clapham Grand, which is this yeah. old crumbling theatre in um, Clapham, obviously. And, and it's <laughs> this old music hall and it's got threadbare carpets and dusty lights and everything. It was just so immersive. My God. The perfect setting for that. Was, yeah. Absolutely. That sounds in, in incredible. I mean, it's funny. I don't think I've met anyone who've said that they've resonated with Brad or Janet so much as uh, as the other characters. Brad and Janet have a, a, a journey. They have they have the best character arc, especially Janet. Yeah. A lot of people do, Janet's usually it's Janet out of the two that they connect yeah. with because she is the one who sort of has the sexual emancipation yeah. in it. Mm. You know, she's the one that has the awakening. Um, and so a lot of people do connect with that. And Brad seems to be popular with, I guess, the, the straight boys that like the show. Yeah. They, yeah. he's obviously what what they go for. They feel comfortable in a. They usually at the show in a lab coat and a pair of glasses and some Y fronts. You know, <laughs> I always feel like so a a lot a lot of my lesbian friends their favorite character will be Eddie, and I'm always mm. like, what is that? And then I realize I'm like, oh, you you probably just want to be. I mean, who doesn't want mm-hmm. to be Meatloaf though? To be fair, like, absolutely, God, yeah. But it was, they um, cast uh, on Broadway. They had I'm going to say a name wrong. Leah Del Leah Del Leah Yes, yeah, yeah. they had Leah Delaria play Eddie and Doctor Scott on Broadway, um, which I Incredible. think was wonderful. I do think you know modern productions of Rocky. I do think they need to go. They need to take the gender thing further. They need to you know have. Um, I feel a like more something needs to happen. I feel like the last times that I've seen the show. It, it has felt not stale, but it feels like something needs to, I feel like. I I've, mean, the current production has been going, it started as the 40th tour. We're just mm-hmm. about to embark on the 50th tour. They um, then, and Christopher Luskenberg, Luskenberg, I don't, I'm not sure on the surname, <laughs> the director anyway, he joined the show in 2006, I think, for the first wow. David Bedella tour. And it, mm. this is a different production to that one, but the same creative pair of eyes has been on the show for nearly 20 years now. So I yeah. think it would be to good to shake it up a little, a little, yeah. I think. I will say, I, I saw um, the original David Bedella tour in 2006 at, at a theatre in Stoke-on-Trent. And that was, because I was at an age where I was like, no one will ever beat Tim Curry as Frankenfurter and Nancy and David Bedella absolutely dominate in that role was eye-opening for me. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, David Bedella really, yeah, there was a there was a habit of people who started playing Frank and Laverne Cox is so guilty of this. They just ape Tim Curry's performance without yeah. thinking about what the logic with Tim Curry's performance was. Mm-hmm. So they just sort of do a, a sort of how now brown car sort of voice. <laughs> and it, it never quite slammed. Whereas David Bedella, I think the logic was, so Frank's from that tour onwards has always been played American, even if the actor isn't. And I think the logic was if they were tuning into these horror films, the aliens would have thought that that's what earthling accents were. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And there's the scene where the Brad and Janet aren't present and they all switch to Transylvanian accents because that's how <laughs> aliens would talk to each other. Yeah. Well, sorry, spoiler alert, they're aliens. <laughs> um, oh yeah, aliens. <laughs> <laughs> that would, um, that, that, so, you know, does it, but, and David Bedella came along and totally redefined the role, so. Getting back to the film, the great thing that works about 
the Rocky Horror Picture Show is the fact is it was already this established popular thing. And in creating the the movie, they did bring back, as we said before, a lot of the, not just returning cast, but some of the creatives. They got the incredible uh, Sue Blaine in to do the costumes, which I feel is as mm. a character within itself are the costumes. I've always wanted frank's dinner party scene outfit uh, to me that's like the height of whatever uh, as well as the cape i really want the cape but yeah sue blaine is like the reason why the punk movement was what it was is because they'd all come down to see rocky uh the theater upstairs um, and then when it moved because you know they it was malcolm uh, malcolm mclaren and vivian westwood were frequent visitors to watch the show and rocky We'll go. I, I'll go on record as saying this is the reason why the punk movement was what it was in terms of the <laughs> aesthetic. So them, uh, them bringing uh, everyone back, I feel like, is a big reason of why everything worked because they already had this like established camaraderie, and then having the two people not the two newcomers being the Americans um, <laughs> in the cast and being the aliens compared to everyone else was. Yeah, I feel like that's in there. But also originally. The, um, they were given a choice of saying, you know, you can have a smaller budget and you can cast who you want and all this, or we can give you a bigger budget, but you have to bring in some light stars. And in the running for Frankenfurter was Mick Jagger. <laughs> now I'm just imagining what a completely oh different, different movie this could have been. Um, I just Mick- can't imagine any of the characters being played by anyone else. Like, I mean, in the film, obviously mm. the stage production... I think, well, obviously you expect there to be a rotation of cast and and you kind of look forward to the interpretations of the characters. But yeah, Mick Jagger? No. <laughs> well, it, Mick Jagger had already appeared in a couple of films before then, but um, I think Hollywood were like, maybe you should stick with acting, which draws really similar, more parallels between him and Harry Styles, I feel. <laughs> uh, this yeah, isn't a Harry not, Styles podcast. Still, still not seen, don't worry, darling. I think uh, I'm slow enough. But Damn. yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair enough. I know one thing that we did kind of mention in our discussion was the fact that we didn't really think it was that much of a horror film. Mm. Um, and I, I, I suppose I do agree, um, for the majority because I think it's, it's campers balls, this, this <laughs> film and it's, it's brilliant. But I, I mean, the one bit that does absolutely stand out to me and I, I think what qualifies it as a horror movie is the introduction and then death spoiler alert, (laughs) of of Meatloaf's character, because it's just absolutely savage. The way we've got this upbeat number and everyone's so happy and uh, Columbia's just loving life. (laughs) And then Frankenfurter is an absolute savage with the ice pick, just completely uh, dispatching him. But then... Being covered in blood. (laughs) One from the vaults. Oh, my God. We we do. But yeah, it's um, the whole... I mean, yeah, it's by... It has its moments. Yeah, by traditional standards, it is not what you'd think of horror. But if you think of mm. the horror films that influence this, particularly Frankenstein, um, yes, I mean Jim Sharman um, actually confessed saying that the sequence uh, involving the birth of Rocky became like his own personal testament to James Whale, uh, who was one of his icons, mm. um, and he went on record to say in his memoir, uh, "We were able to do what Whale and earlier generations couldn't." Revealed that the creator loves his creation and vice versa. Like, oh, <laughs> it's it's just it's just fantastic. Just sexy, I mean, it? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's sexy as hell. And I mean, Rocky is 
is well, it's the perfect specimen, isn't he? Um, yes. But then I do, I do love that scene. The the way that the kind of device comes down from the ceiling. It is, I mean, it just conjures up all those images. <laughs> the Transylvanians having the Bride of Frankenstein hair at the end. It's, oh my god! It's, yeah, it's it's so so good. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, I think as well. I just love the fact that Rocky is literally birthed from a rainbow. Yeah, like me too. his tank is just <laughs> just gay. <laughs> Well, it's queer as out that tank. Speaking of like <laughs> horror icons, um, mm-hmm. have you ever seen the movie adaptation of the Monster Mash? I can't say I have. Okay, so there is a. But this sounds incredible. I will say. <laughs> so Bobby Pippett turned his song into a stage play to begin with. Oh, okay. And it ha- They really did milk that song for all it's yeah, worth. They, they really did, but it really like <laughs> bears like some scary similarities to Rocky Horror. But because it also has the the Bobby Pickett um song. I suppose it was referencing the same source material. Came, yeah. yeah, it came first, but they were yeah. also referencing it. So um it's called I'm sorry, the bridge is out. You'll have to spend the night. And um <laughs> It was basically Dr. Frankenstein, um, and he's got, like, a deformed assistant. Count Dracula's in it. There's a werewolf, uh, a vampire lady. But there's a naive teenage couple who are forced to spend a stormy night in the Mad Professor's castle. So, like, you've got that there. Yeah. Um, but so that was a stage version of it. But if you want to watch it, actually, in 1995, they actually made monster mash into a movie so 95 it was nine, that recent 95 yeah um i okay i need to hunt this down recommend anyone to you know is it good no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but is it like so bad it's good is it on uh, that level yes. yes okay i think it is it's like okay. it's like if monster squad was gay <laughs> <laughs> if Monster Squad was more gay, uh, more gay, let's, sorry, let's say yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. I mean, you've kind of sold it to me. I will say, I've I've had a a great time because I make. Um, I know, obviously, you're kind of like our playlist queen when it comes to our episodes, but mm. I like to make Halloween playlists every year. Yeah. And one of the playlists I've made this year has been like retro Halloween, and it's been a lot of like you know that fifties, sixties mm-hmm. kind of rock and roll, surfer rock horror yeah. vibe that was going on. Um, and I absolutely love it. Like, I want to, I think I want to start collecting, like, that sort of stuff on vinyls. Yeah. So like, yeah I, know I, exactly I, I want, like, like, a little I've, um, capsule of that. I, my Halloween theme tune this year is Dusty mm. Springfield's Spooky. I can't stop listening spooky. to it. Spooky. It's such a f***ing <laughs> banger. It's, it's, it's an absolute vibe. It really is. Um, yeah. I mean, I love Season of the Witch is always a, yeah. uh, a classic. I mean, I'm just... I'm just having a look at which ones I actually have on here. So um, we've got people like The Ventures, uh, Bobby Pickett, mm-hmm. Bobby V, Screaming Jay Hawkins, uh, The Five Blobs. Their song, The Blob, is just brilliant. It's Yeah, there's, well, a, there's a lot of weird stuff, so I'll make sure we link it. In very this, this good episode. segue there is, um, so those musicians that you were discussing right now actually... Mm. Um, influenced directly Richard O'Brien's writing of the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so originally, if you, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, the music that we hear in Rocky Horror 
both the stage show now and in the film is mm. very different to what was originally put on stage. It was more acoustic and that 50s rock and roll sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool. But it wasn't until it um, opened uh, in the Roxy uh, in LA uh, when they started adding like more of an electric, like to try and modernise it for the 70s yeah. a bit more. So that's where yeah. like... Could you imagine Sweet Transvestite without the opening guitar and shoop, the bass? Shoop, 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 like, shoop, shoop. Imagine it without that. You, can't, I don't think you can. And then, no. like, um, oh, well, I mean that. No, it's it's the heart of that, isn't yeah. it? I mean, aside from obviously the vocals, it's that's so weird. But at the same time, I kind of know it would have been perfect in its own kind of way. Yeah. If you, if um, that makes you sense. Can, you, uh, somebody uploaded them on YouTube. But I think they got deleted, but I've still got them somewhere. You can listen to. Um, Richard O'Brien's original demos and mm. they are gorgeous. I mean, science fiction's always science fiction double feature has always been the, one of the most beautiful songs ever made. But yeah. he, hearing just him sing it with an acoustic guitar is he's so crazy talented. Yeah. I mean, what's what's funny as well though from like growing up and obviously getting into Rocky Horror so late is I knew him from Crystal Maze before <laughs> yeah. I knew him from this. I thought you were so. going to say you knew him from Spice World before you <laughs> which also stars no. Meatloaf as well. It's like a lovely little reunion there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why why not? Why the hell oh, not? I mean, we, the one thing though that we haven't really I suppose spoken about all that much I don't mm-hmm. think has actually been the music and like just I think I think what gets me about this and this this musical and why I love it so much is the fact it does feel so unique yeah. and it does still sound so fresh. So it's funny hearing that you said there was like a fifties approach to it maybe initially and then the electric guitar came in in the seventies to modernise it because um, I'd, I'd argue it's like I don't know it sits in a similar place to me as like how Fleetwood Mac is like it just yeah. sounds timeless mm-hmm. in so many ways. Like I know still in like forty years or whatever it will be. Yeah, it will sound as great as it did when it first came out. Every single song is a banger. And I mean, they did Mm. cut out uh, once in a while from the film, but that's purely because they felt like it slowed the film down and they were already like, oh shit, this is getting long. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's an investment. But um, but yeah, every single song is an absolute banger and they just age beautifully. Um, Mm. And And such a just a unique sound, I think. Oh my God. Like, it's just. Yeah, yeah. Do you like know what I mean? Like it, the twang of the guitar, it's immediately recognisable. It's it's, a, it's really hard to like. You've got like iconic moments in music, like like sounds. So you've got that mm-hmm. like baseline for uh, sweet transvestite. To me, I really love the um, do you know, like the xylophone glockenspiel sound that the reprise of science fiction double feature. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then like I think it's people who can capture and bottle music like that are incredible mm-hmm. like kelly Rowland, yeah. for example Freddy! she knows how to bottle <laughs> but online with her music have you, i'm gonna say have you checked your tiktok today no I've, <laughs> so i've sent you a tiktok and it's obviously fake but it's a video and it's like did you know that kelly Rowland actually improvised that iconic line in freddy first i hope she f-ing did you know <laughs> What kind of f- runs around in a Christmas sweater? Good for her. <laughs> I mean, obviously she didn't, but I, I just love how <laughs> I just love how it's a thing. Like queer people just just get it. But yes, <laughs> Kelly Rowland is an icon. Um, I, I was wondering how you get it into this episode. Uh, she was get she her into has this. to be in here some way or the other. Okay. I mean, not w- just would because you cast she gets her as, mentioned as every someone, week, but or would you? Pardon? 
would you cast her as someone I in, think in if, Rocky Horror? I think if they, oh my god, like a stage, like like a Broadway revival. Oh, mm. Kelly. Oh, she, I don't know no, where she'd fit. No offense to her. I, she's a bit. She's not ingenue, so she couldn't play Janet. Um, <laughs> I think maybe a really good, like sassy Columbia. Like, because mm-hmm. Columbia on stage um, is very different, I think, from the film. Well, a bit in the business, but for me, it's the bit where she's like, it's a gas, it's a gas, it's a gas. When she's like really freaking out because she's been gassed and she's addicted to this gas. I think mm-hmm. Kelly has the chops to pull that off. And I don't know if she can tap dance, but you know what? She is a. Cr- she probably can. She, she's Kelly Rowland. She's Kelly <laughs> Rowland. She probably <laughs> tap dances in her sleep. Yeah. I mean, anyway, why I'm not? so sorry, Gareth. Um, this isn't a well, it is a Kelly Rowland podcast. One it around, is, it yeah, absolutely yeah. is. The <laughs> moment of silence, the queer and the horror, just, like <laughs> just takes a back seat. <laughs> one thing that I found really interesting when I was, um, like as I've gotten older and I've mm. experienced more things that are in the same vein as this, is um, Richard O'Brien on record has gone and said that it's thanks to the work of Ed Wood that Rocky Horror ended up being what it is. And now, doesn't that make complete f-ing sense? It makes complete sense. Oh my complete God. sense. I, Absolutely it does. I love, I love Edward. I just created absolute gold. I, th- I think he was, if he was around now, people would call him a genius. Um, mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, he's the next, I don't know, Ari Aster or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, but I think it, it rings true... For, for this I mean I think we kind of mentioned it and we have spoken about how how it would be I mean I think it's 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 weird to think how this would be if this came out like fresh now yeah um I like I think it, it was definitely something that had to come out at the time but again it's something that you know when you do speak to people about Rocky Horror they have mm. varying opinions on it like yeah. I know for a fact um I'm sure he won't mind me saying this but my other half like I think he saw Rocky Horror with um, his dad when he was younger and they ended up walking out because he was like really uncomfortable oh. uh, obviously <laughs> um, obviously what was on show yeah. and I know that like um, my mum had never seen anything really like it before until I'd showed it to her like yeah. she knew what it was but I don't think she knew what it was mm-hmm. um, and I get that it I kind of love that it makes people a bit uncomfortable Me too. it shouldn't but I do love yeah, it I, I absolutely <laughs> love it um so the really, really funny anecdote is that Meatloaf was really pissed off uh, when he was cast in this film because they realised... So on stage, Meatloaf and uh, Eddie and Dr. Everett Scott share the same actor. So that means that whoever's playing Eddie then has to get into heels and fishnets towards the end. <laughs> yeah. Um during Rose Tint My World. What and he wasn't he wasn't and happy about that. He was really upset because because originally he was like, I'm not doing that. He walked off like in rehearsals for uh the Roxy show um in LA on stage. And he was like, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. And he said the minute that he put those fishnets on and he revealed his legs on stage and he got like the biggest laugh because he was saying at the yeah. time he was bigger than he was when he was in 
the film as well. So it was like, just imagine like this giant thigh in these fishnets and people were <laughs> laughing because they'd never seen a fat man in fishnets before. And he was really <laughs> pissed off that when he was in the show, he was like, I didn't get, I didn't get to show that side of me. <laughs> I, just, I just think, what yeah, an angel. I could, I could imagine that. I mean, have you have you been to, to see it on stage and dressed I've, up for it? Yes. I take it uh, you have. Quite a few times, yeah. Yeah. Who have you dressed up as or have you just worked your way around or worked you my just way go around. as one I, character? Um, I have dressed up as magenta a couple of times just because it's an easy costume to source um because <laughs> you already have the maids out <laughs> yeah <obviously. laughs> um i knew that about you i knew you were that, you were that girl <laughs> um i've dressed as frank but because i couldn't find a good enough costume i literally just got like green scrubs and put a red triangle on it um yeah, yeah. but it's it's an alternate frank i would uh, I like to get the cape that's my dream. Yes. The but cape the, the, is my the, dream. The collar has to be perfect. Oh, it's the collar, God. I think, it that is. makes that cape. It is. Uh, absolutely, I, it is. So, there are, a few, there are a couple of films in the world that I can recite word for word, beat by beat. And this is what... <laughs> it's this. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. <laughs> Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Ho- yep. Hocus Pocus. And then, ashamedly, and I hate... I hate to admit this, but Titanic. <laughs> but that's only because it's my mum's favourite, like one of my mum's favourite films of all time. Yeah. And I used to have to watch it with her all the time while she was like crying. And I'd have to sit there. <laughs> yeah. The emotional trauma has just imprinted itself into your brain. It's so you know the entire script. 84 years. <laughs> the beds have never been slept in. It's like, oh, <laughs> Or even die. <laughs> that, I'm sorry, but that film is shit until that until that iceberg comes along. It's boring. Anyway, I'm not. We digress. I we digress. digress. Um, to me, I just feel like this is this is. I said it earlier. This has informed a lot of who I am uh, as a person. It's informed a lot of my interests, a lot of my tastes. It's informed a confidence in myself that I've always had. And yeah, I, I said earlier, is that it, I don't think it's hyperbole for me to say that this literally was the film that, you know, I, I, Rocky Horror was the reason why I'm never been ashamed of who I am. That's that's pretty that's a pretty cool statement. I love that, um, and it, it brings people together as well. I would have never have got the chance to to speak to you, Gareth, if it wasn't for our shared love of this film. So. Um, I don't know. I, I love that. I love that about this, this this film. What I like about it is that it has grown with me and evolved with me. And when I first saw it, when I was 12 years old, I was just enjoyed the colour and movement and that was enough. Uh, and then as both I've developed as a person and also technology has developed, like seeing, so my journey with it was seeing it on television, seeing it on VHS, seeing it on DVD, seeing it on Blu-ray, seeing it at the cinema, seeing it in 4K. And, and with every single, um, for example, when I was watching it on video, I didn't realise that the recipe for Rocky was written on the lab wall. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as it went to DVD, the, everything that all Frankenfurters or riffraffs make, uh, workings are written out on the wall and you know little details like what's on the mantelpiece in the ballroom and what's in the wings <laughs> you know when Frankenfurt is walking past in his um uh face mask and sticking his tongue out at Janet um there's like scenery in the wings and it makes you wonder like what shows do they do in that theater <laughs> and so it's it's developed me in that way and then something as 
you know, transformative as even like two years ago, watching it with my friend Jimmy and just looking at Frankenfurter as a victim rather than a predator. Mm. Um, really, you know, it just, it's still giving me things to think about and contemplate to this day. And it's still my comfort blanket. I still put the soundtrack on, you know, when, uh, oh, multiple soundtracks and I whack the film on whenever I'm feeling, you know, low or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm keen for it to connect with new young people. I hope they find it. I don't know if they will or how they will, because distribution TikTok, media has say. changed. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that. TikTok. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know how a TikTok iteration Rocky of Rocky TikTok Horror would work. work. Yeah, it's, well, uh, they'd have to keep just... it within a very minute attention span. <laughs> <laughs> I see you shiver with next reel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't even get the anticipation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so I work with young people uh, for a living, and it has been fun suggesting this one because they all a lot of them do come to me and they're like, Liam, I, what should I watch this week? Because they they know that I just I'm a huge fan of film and cinema, and uh, and I came in and I was like, right, you're an LGBT but like group. Um, here are some seminal films that I feel like this is like a checklist of what I feel like you should watch yeah. and it and uh Rocky Horror was in there obviously uh, trigger warnings for them and all that lot um but yeah I was just like I feel like because I like to with my young people a big thing that I like to do with them is teach them about queer history uh and queer media that doesn't mm-hmm. often get spoke about I don't I mean not to say that Rocky Horror doesn't get spoken about but I feel like I I want to have it as my job to keep that flame going for things such as this. So yeah, I've made sure that a lot of them have watched it. Um, And if not, I do have reminders every now and then of things. I'm like, have you watched this yet? Have you watched this yet? Have you gone on Disney Plus and watched Golden Girls yet? (laughs) No? It's funny that you mention this as a comfort blanket because Golden Girls has fast become my comfort blanket. I put it on every night now. So I, yeah, I feel like this very much is in the Queer Hall of Fame and it should be um, part of the guidebook. If uh, if someone's wanting to venture into the the world of queerness, pop on Rocky Horror and uh, have a good time. (laughs) So, Thank you so much, Gareth, for joining us today. I'm so sorry that it's not been as structured as I'd like it to be, but I've just woken up. Um, but it's also just been really nice just to chat about it. Yeah, I mean, it really like, has. It's, it, we're friends. <laughs> it's, been, it's honestly been a joy. And uh, yeah, as soon as we... Because this was the episode that I wanted to happen. So thank you so much. Um, oh, Dear listeners, Gareth is all the way over in Australia. So yeah, are... yeah. Give us some context as to why we're up at seven a.m. Yeah. Um, so, oh yeah, it's, it's sunny it's Australia. Australia. Six a six p.m. where I am. Yeah, is, so there, is it still rainy where you are? I saw you posted uh, your videos where it was raining and the tower was shaking, and I was like, No, it's it, it's it's <laughs> the, the daylight has broken now, and um, the the flooded plains of Melbourne and Nam are being uh, uh, freed of their flood water. I had to stop complaining about being bored because of the rain, because people were being flooded out of their literal homes. So I thought, Oh, oh I'll, I'll stop whining. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well I hope you're I having an go. amazing time. Yes. So yeah, thank right. you so uh, much. Thank you for having me, everyone. And it's been fun talking. <laughs> well, that was rather cool, wasn't it? Have them on the podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was live. It was like it was in the room with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I um, oh, 
I just love this time of year. I love Halloween. I love everything about it's it. And I'm so same. glad we got to talk about this, this film. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's been, um, so for listeners at home, um, if you've still got like at least like 10 or 11 days left of Halloween season. Um, so before it's I, coming for you, before we give <laughs> you, um, we go into our proper recommendations. I just want to mm. do some like special ones first. So, um, If you haven't checked out The River, which is the latest short by Super Freak Media, uh, it dropped at the start (laughs) of this month. Don't do it. No, it's absolutely brilliant. I I loved everything about it. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. (laughs) (laughs) The gowns were beautiful. Um, No, it was... It was fantastic. I I loved it. And if you a uh, cheeky you. plug for myself, uh, you can now listen to Sticks and Stones written by yours truly. <laughs> um, uh, but also you can check out the entire Campfire Chronicles uh, in full yeah. by the time this comes out. Um, no, so there'll be one episode left. So yeah, it's been a busy month for us over at Super Freak Media. So we had uh, The River came out October 1st. So yeah, you can go see that on youtube if you so wish um, and i just want to say a massive thank you to everyone involved um sarah thank you for acting your absolute ass off in that film and um producing it and um like yeah i'm just so so happy with how one it came out of my because it was very cold oh my god river. yeah i can imagine one of my favorite comments <laughs> on the vid on the video is you can tell that she's an experienced kayaker and i was like oh she sent me a print oh, screen of that afterwards and she was like people know we found the kayak audience folks i think i think one of mine is just i think there's a timestamp. it's when she's getting back on the the kayak she won't mind me saying this and it's just like the timestamp. she thick <laughs> just like yes i think she looks like an absolute boss when she yeah. she um she's on that boat um mm-hmm. but yeah i i loved uh loved everything about that project we will potentially have something else out at halloween so you'll oh. have to keep your eyes peeled yeah, um, but like you said as as well because why why not let's just give you all the content in one month we we did launch campfire chronicles as well so um it's six parts um individual stories so you can listen to them in any order as liam mm-hmm. said maybe go listen to sticks and stones first <laughs> if you want to if you want to do that um but yes the last episode will be out the 24th so it will be or no i think it's the 26th i keep getting this wrong it's the 26th <laughs> no it is the 24th what am i saying it'll be out on the 24th <laughs> um, you can listen to it on the 26th if you want and <laughs> yeah, what you can do is you could listen to them all in one go and go over and purchase the Campfire Chronicles candle released by our <laughs> How friends cool is that? over you at the Sanctuary. purchase Saint the Corvus. official I, tying candle. <laughs> it's payday for me tomorrow, so I'm going to treat myself to a candle. Oh, bless you. I was going to say. I hope you like it. I was going to say with my name on it, but it's, it might as well have my do, name do, on it. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll just tell Jess that you're going to place an order and just be like, it's one of the authors. Yeah. Just... Um, but no, I, yeah, um, I love it. Jess is incredible. I, I had the pleasure of working with Jess before uh, on some mm. projects and meeting Jess and just a great, I, I don't know if she listens to this, but she's a, an incredible human being. And um, Absolutely, it will be too late for people to, I think at this point it might be too late for people to check it out, but um, the Scent Corvus uh, run by Jess Messenger is um, 
it's an incredible homeware, uh, spooky homeware uh, company. But Jess is has a giant heart and realizes mm. that um, things are going to be very difficult for people in this country uh, mm. during winter. Uh, we've been predicted blackouts. So Jess, is, um, with the scent call for her company, has come up with Project Blackout, of which she will be able to get... Uh, tea lights and unscented plain candles for people for when these blackouts inevitably happen and she's willing to mm. get be, for you to be able to place an order at cost price and a small two pound for shipping in the uk only um i think yeah, that fantastic. is an absolutely admirable thing to do and um if you like spooky shirt and candles or you know, or you just want to go and support a an incredible person, uh, check out the mm. scent Corvus. And um, yeah. yeah, Jess, if you happen to be listening. Um, I think she does listen to this. Uh, okay. She Because she says she always puts podcasts on while she's uh, making the candles. Nice. So, hi, Jess. Hi, if Jess. If you listen to this episode, love you. <laughs> she's bloody gorgeous as well, but that doesn't need she to. Is. Yeah. That's, that, that, that doesn't hold anyway. Anyway, now that like the uh, serious shit is out of the way, let's uh, let's get into some recommendations this month. I'm going to go first because um, I always like to come first. Do you really? No, I, nah. I like to come last. I, sometimes I can't be asked. I'd rather just go. Sleep. You just don't. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. Love that for you. Love anyway, for you. Um, <laughs> let's not divulge into my sex life. <laughs> Is it even an episode of this podcast? No, though, no, I was going to say, I was going to yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, um, so my first recommendation this month is if you uh, love Rocky Horror um, mm-hmm. as a whole, uh, as much as I do, um, then you do need to check out a book that was actually written by an ex-colleague of mine. Um, so I used to work at a... A uh, very well-known theme park here in the UK. I happen to work, uh, befriend a fantastic Im- individual there uh, called Rob Bagnall, who's one, I think, he, qu- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he has the biggest Rocky Horror memorabilia collection in the UK or Europe, I think. Um, that sounds about right. But he is, <laughs> like, he is a fanatic in every in the most positive sense of the word. Like he has such a love for Rocky Horror and that's what like we managed to bond over. Rob actually uh, teamed up with uh, a person called Phil Barden uh, to write a book that was celebrating 40 years of Rocky Horror uh, as a show, as, as just as an entity and wrote a book called still the beast is feeding 40 years of Rocky Horror. Uh, So it's by Rob Bagnall and Phil Barden. It's the, unofficial and unauthorized history of the show, the film and the phenomenon. Um, This book is so expertly researched. It's filled with incredible anecdotes. You get, and you literally learn everything there is to know about Rocky Horror as a whole. It's great. It's, it doesn't like, because I struggle with nonfiction at times, but it doesn't mm-hmm. slog. It keeps a really good pace. It's it's fun. And yeah, it's just filled with just good shit. So if you're a Rocky Horror fan, it's I, find, I think it's essential reading. But so that's my first one. What's, what's your first one? So I... Um... So I, I went to uh, a film festival this last uh, weekend, which takes place every year in Nottingham called Mayhem Film Festival. And uh, I suppose what I would recommend is one of the films that I know has got a distribution deal and is going to be coming out uh, after after uh, we had kind of, I think, uh, 
I don't know if it was the UK premiere, um, but uh, we got to see a film starring Michael Monroe called Watcher. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm a big Michael Monroe fan anyway. I love It Follows, the guest. Um, I think she's stunning, incredibly talented, mm. never been done before, uh, totally original. Shit uh, on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, the, the, the film, it was the closing film of the festival. And it was, I, I, I mean, it was, there was a really like strong, couple last couple of days in the, uh, the festival um and i do think it clinched the favorite for me it's it's a thriller like murder mystery um set in bucharest mm. she's relocated there with her husband and similarly to like us as a, a general audience i suppose if you're not familiar with the romanian language you're going to be kind of a bit out of it in terms of like what's going on and it's confusing and i absolutely love that i think it really adds to Ooh. the atmosphere of it um the premise essentially you've got a serial killer decapitating women in like this uh area and it's a bit rear window so it goes a bit oh, hitchcockian okay. it's very de palma in the way that oh, it's kind of I'm back on stylish board now. Yeah. and it's it's a gorgeous <laughs> film to look at the performances are great and i i really love slow burn films and for me it was it was that but it had a fantastic payoff at mm. the at the end so i think uh, i saw I saw a trailer at Cineworld yesterday evening before I saw Lost Boys at the anniversary screening. <laughs> and um, I believe it's coming out in the UK in November. Oh. So I think it will be out fairly soon. So nice. I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I'll um, I'll get on that. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely check it out. It's And it's not to be confused with The Watcher, which is the Netflix series. Oh, don't get Jennifer me started <laughs> on The Watcher. Um, I haven't watched it. Hey, mm-hmm. um, but I have uh, I have a bone to pick with Ryan. Mer- I have several bones to pick with Ryan <laughs> at this point. You know what I mean? Um, I've realised that I think Ryan Murphy is my nemesis. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I think Michael Douglas and Ryan Murphy. You've kind of publicly decreed. I probably you, hate you, Ryan Murphy more than I hate Michael Douglas. I'd, which is look, Ryan Murphy brave, gave yeah, us gave us some iconic stuff, but he's not done enough to redeem. Not enough to redeem the tripe that he puts out there and how he can't write queer characters and he can't Mm. all he does is write queer tragedy and i'm not saying that that can't happen but if the premise for american horror story new york is what the leaks are saying it is i will not i will not be watching um i am Mm. sick to death of that man writing one note queer characters getting killed off romanticizing the AIDS crisis. Yeah, this is my issue. Mm. Uh, I think I've seen at least four different works of fiction that he's been involved in that have all been set around that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're talking like separate shows, films, everything. And whilst I get it's an important part of queer it's, history and, and it's, it's, it's the romanticism very, of it yeah, it's a I have very it. important part of queer history and it should be talked about but you know what it shouldn't be it shouldn't, shouldn't be, be the only creator though it, it doing shouldn't it. be the basis of a serial killer who only kills gay people in new york in the <laughs> 90s and it's sh- oh my god and we shouldn't uh, I, what was i talking about before and <laughs> Have to go back to the, the watcher. Happy phase. I was yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Let me finish my the watcher rant. Um, so I've the watcher's like a an urban legend, and it, there was like a Reddit thread about it. It's always been my dream to turn that into a novelization. And well, isn't it based on a true story? Isn't it like something that genuinely uh, happened? Something like that. Because 
Either way, I wanted to write oh, about are, it. Are you just mad? And I'm like, mad that, that he's got yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm mad that he got Jennifer Coolidge Jennifer involved Coolidge. because uh, I will say though, I watched a two minute clip that Netflix put out of just her bits. And she says, she's swearing, she's been iconic and she's been a bitch. So I will, uh, I will watch it, Ryan Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is it. He, he reels you in because he, I, I will say what that man does cast wise. Yeah, I mean, getting Jamie Lee Curtis in Scream Queens and yeah. then doing the iconic shower scene is... He does, yeah, he does know how to cast. It, I, I, I think I might for No, Scream Queens doesn't make up for all this shit. No. Anyway, um, <laughs> unless you <laughs> want to fly me out to America and give me money to work for you, um, goodbye, Ryan Murphy. Oh. Anyway, my <laughs> God, I don't, I don't know where there's venom case. What's, what's going on? Yeah, jeez, Louise, it's been a long day, guys. It's really people. been a long day. Um, God, thirteen hours ago, we no, 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 um, no, don't. twelve hours ago. I don't, twelve hours ago. No, oh, I don't know anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, my second recommendation this month is actually three songs. Um, they're called Halloween, Halloween 2, and Halloween 3. And they're by a band called Mortal Sons. Um, they are kind of like a jazzy, bluesy band, which isn't normally my vibe. But the lead singer is horror author Tyler Cram, who wrote uh, The Curse of the Mountain. Um, oh, okay. So he's that, got a band. His, he's yeah. in that band. Okay, and cool. every Halloween, him and his band create like a a really cute Halloween song and they're really, really like easy listening and really cute. And he's got such a gorgeous voice, absolutely stunning voice. Also really liked my review of his book and reached out to me personally to tell me, which was very, very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Tyler Cram. Um, but yeah, uh, Mortal Sons, Halloween one, two, and well, Halloween, Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. Halloween 3 released the other day. The, the cover art for it is absolutely adorable. Um, it's also really funny because if you look at their cover art and the way that they stylize their their band name, kind of looks like a proper like 80s, early 90s metal band. So you wouldn't Incredible. expect them to have this really beautiful, like silky velvet voice crooning. Oh, so yeah. Okay, you've, you've pulled me in. There we go. You've pulled me in. But to round off the recommendations that I suppose mine are going to be uh, recommendations of things that are yet to come. I mean, I suppose I kind of already had that with Watcher, um, so I'm a bit preemptive in this episode. But mm. um, uh, uh, my good friends at uh, Modern Coven, um, they did the music that we used on the Saint Corvus promo last year, and I'm big fan uh, of of those two. They um, they're a Nottingham based group. They are just so witty and soulful and mm. it's just everything. Um, they, they've got a new track dropping on Halloween. Um, so I can't wait for that. Um, I'll make sure obviously we were pu- we push something out when they, they release that. And um, I'm really excited as well about the new series coming to Netflix, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh my God. Same. And I'm very excited about the way they're releasing it. Cause I think we're getting two episodes a night, mm. like leading up to Halloween. So again, it will be after this episode has dropped, but anything that that man is involved in, 
Um, it's gold. I'm seeing like all of the the positive praise that's coming out about his Pinocchio. Yeah, uh, and it, obviously it's heartbreaking that he had to attend the premiere like the day after he lost his mum. Yeah, um, and but she, I think she was a vital part of him mm. growing up with these sorts of stories. And I mean, I'm always going to love that man because when he won his Oscar, he gave a shout out to monster movies. Yeah, and because they never acknowledge horror, so no. good on you for uh, getting on stage yeah, and saying that. Guillermo del Toro can, um, in my eyes, do no wrong um mm. creates some of the most incredible just incredible visuals that you've ever mm-hmm. that you will ever see i remember the first time mm. i saw hellboy 2 the golden army and was just his oh, just the way that he designs things uh the way yeah. that he makes things just look just the way that like you watch something yeah. and you literally feel like you like somebody's just blown like magic dust in your eyes and you're actually seeing like yeah. anyway um yeah i mean there, he's, he's just a phenomenal phenomenal director mm-hmm. and um i i know obviously he's not directed per se uh any of the episodes he's assembled a very talented team of yeah. of horror filmmakers um but i think it's going to be great um one thing though that we i don't think we have mentioned which i know i think we've both seen which mm. i thought was absolutely phenomenal was uh, my best friend's exorcism oh Amazon my god Prime. so okay anybody who follows me on any sort of social media or anything knows how much i love grady hendrix i think yeah. that grady hendrix is um up there with clive barker stephen king as like one of the greatest horror authors ever. Yeah. Um, and yes, his, praise, his bo- but I think well deserved. His body of work may not be that robust at the moment, but uh, everything that has come out has been absolute gold. Um, and yeah, my best friend's exorcism. So when they, um, when the poster first dropped, I hated everything about. It. I still hate the poster. I think the poster looks ugly. Um, the two, the love hearts. Yeah, I think uh, I just that, think yeah. it looked really ugly, and the colours and the mm. font, and it's just it. It looks. It doesn't do the film justice. It doesn't do I the film that. justice. It, it's a really yeah. good adaptation. Yeah, it 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 does what most film adaptation does, and it it does take some liberties with the source material, but not in such a way that it's a completely different story. Everything that Grady had in there is still in there. Um, Oh, and like the music, the score. Soundtrack and the score. The acting as well. Chef's kiss. Like the... um, the two leads, their chemistry is unmatched. Like you really feel that friendship. Have you started watching Castle Rock yet? No. Uh, Have you watched any of it yet? No, yeah. Well, the the best friend so not the one who's possessed the one who's trying to help yeah, yeah. the situation um she is in castle rock season two oh um playing annie wilkes daughter so annie wilkes has a daughter well you've got to kind of watch it to kind of get what the vibe is no no <laughs> no trust me it's phenomenal what it's, the cock <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> what the cock are doing yeah it's uh yeah it's um but yeah, okay. I've I've had my eye on her for a while, and obviously she was in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Netflix film uh, as well. Um, oh, yeah, I don't was. think she had as much yeah. to do in that. Oh, um, but yeah. I do think she's I think she's a great up and coming actress, yeah. and I, I'm sure she'll go on to do great things. But oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely loved. It's, it uh, was my best it was so good, and I I do like the rework of the ending in this. I really like that it had. My, oh my god growing up i used to love the films that always gave you the text to tell you what people did after the film yeah and when i was just we like, don't see enough of don't that, see anymore, that anymore. Do i love it no. yeah um i 
absolutely love my best friend's exes. And I was so pumped. Um, the person I was watching it with as well, like, um, I feel bad because I just wouldn't shut up about it afterwards. <laughs> um, but I was so no, perfect, so happy with it. Um, so as a bonus recommendation out there, go and watch that and then read anything by Grady Hendrix. Uh, sure. We're talking the final girl support club, uh, which is amazing. Um, we sold our souls horror store. My best friend's exorcism. He just, he knows how to do horror. It's these really cool high concept ideas, I think. Yeah. At, at the core of all of these. And they have such like a great identity. <clears throat> like immediately yeah. you look at the covers and you know, like the horror store, for example, being mm-hmm. like the Ikea. Yeah. Like manual uh, absolutely. It's just inc- such a good idea. Such so, a good idea. Anyway, I, um, I have, uh, something I need to read out. So, uh, I tried to email mail myself over the, um, the hookup horror story this month, but for some reason, the emails on my laptop aren't working. So I've had to, cause my phone's dying. I've had to type it all out. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I've had to physically write it down. And I was like, yeah. Oh godly, I'm not the pen and paper. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> They actually, I'm expecting a good one because it's, it is it's spooky season. It is a, so. it is a good one. It's it's um <laughs> there was two to choose from, but it was the obvious choice in the end. Um and this <laughs> actually comes from a friend of mine who doesn't mind me saying who it is. So uh Mikey, um shout out to you. Thank you so much for um for sending this in. Um I can't wait uh i'm actually gonna i think i might give you a ring tomorrow um <laughs> just to let let them know <laughs> just to be like oh you, you're heads up. Up, heads up you're you're up this month and uh we need to talk about this i need i need you to paint me a picture so i'm gonna try and do this justice so uh i don't know light your candle lock the doors lower the blinds fire up the smoke machine here we go I, lads, do me a favour and say I'm out when you would leave with this one. I need humbling. It started, oh, okay. that's, that's how it started off. I needed oh, to okay. keep that in there anyway. So we need to say I'm out when we're ready yeah. to, to leave. Okay, cool. Back in, Back college, in college, I had a big had crush a on a lad who was doing performing arts. I'm out. I'm out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I did performing the arts jazz in college. <laughs> um, that was a great one. That was yeah. probably the best. Anyway, uh he had he that Zac Efron in 17 again look to him and my heart would actually palpitate every time he walked past me. I'm back in, by the way. Um, absolutely. Rumour had it that he was throwing a house party one weekend and I was determined to go there, so I practically begged my girls to work their magic and find a way of securing an invite. And luckily, one of the drama boy's straight friends had a massive boner for her and asked if she wanted to go already. Right, I'm out again because people um (laughs) (laughs) absolutely hate people i'm out yeah (laughs) social situations no so fast forward to me getting myself completely slutted up on a saturday night ready to make my way to my future husband's house we get there and it is rammed there is music blasting and everybody is drinking yeah definitely not i've necked three big bottles of smirnoff ice while nice and tips smirnoff ice i've met three big bottles of smirnoff ice oh 
absolutely Ooh. shit-faced. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, so I've met three big bottles of Smirnoff Ice, so I'm nice and tipsy at this point. So with that courage in me, I hunt down my man. I find him outside smoking, so go out and do the whole have you got a lighter thing. Ah, we've all been there. Um, we get chatting, and I am bringing my absolute A game. He's wearing one of those. <laughs> he's wearing one of those baseball tops that every lad had from Top Man back in the day. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. I used to have a whole wardrobe, all all different colours. Yep. <laughs> and the sleeves are straining against his bulging biceps. I need him. Uh, we actually get on so well. We start kissing for a bit. He asks if I want to go upstairs to his room, and I practically march him upstairs. We practically tear the clothes off one another. I go down on him, and it is. Everything, everything I wanted, I wanted and, more. and more. I notice I him mumbling to himself, but don't pay it no mind because A, we are both drunk, and B, I must just be that good. Also, I thought, he starts going limp, and I look up at him and ask if everything is okay. He says it's fine and to just carry on, so I do. I have his flaccid in my mouth, and that's when he starts up again with the mumbling. Well, he's actually talking now. Uh, a few words and phrases sound familiar, and I'm intrigued, so I slow down so I can concentrate on multitasking. I hear him say quite clearly, why don't you take out a missing persons ad or try the yellow pages? Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I don't need... I, know, I think I know what's happening here. Do you? I stop what I'm doing and ask him what he means. He laughs us off, but I tell him to explain what's going on. He bashfully admits that he tries to recite lines from his favourite film when he's trying not to come. I ask him what film he was quoting, and he's like, Grease, obviously. I have no words. I kind of no words. I kinda laugh this off, and I'm like, right, so tell me about it, stud, as a laugh. Uh, he turns a bit wild at this point, and before I know it, I'm bent over and he's inside me. Uh, he's mumbling to himself the whole time, but I let it happen because the f- is like so right. I can feel him going flaccid again and ask if there's anything I can do. He ignores this, and that is when he starts to sing. Not like quiet singing, I'm talking out loud singing greased lightning. Oh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Is he doing the arm motions? That's what That's I exactly want to know. What I was say. <laughs> Is he coming down on a chain? I really hope he's running around with some clean film. <laughs> I'll laugh this off awkwardly and start to move away, but it's not till I can, not long till I can feel him absolutely rock hard again. So taking advantage of the situation, I just let him back in, and he's got he gets about three quarters of the way through the song before he came. We go taking hopelessly devoted to a whole new level, isn't it? Well, there are worse things you could do. We go back downstairs like it's the most normal thing in the world. I get so drunk that I crash on his sofa, as do many others. In the morning, he wakes me up and invites me upstairs. Both of us still tipsy, we start getting it on again. I try to have a laugh and start singing, there are worse things I could do. Open bracket, I'm more of a Marty than a Rizzo, but it's the best song. Close bracket. Uh, He is offended, like really offended, tells me to f*** off. And that is how I lost my crush on this man. 
the end. The end. Oh my god, that took a turn. What an absolute nutcase. What, was it like, <laughs> like you weren't f***ing, you know, go grease lightning like yeah, a couple you know of hours I mean? ago. Why would you get angry about that? Like, you're the you're the bad person in this situation. He's a real pussy wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I really want to know if he was doing a, like a John Travolta, Danny Zuko. Sandy! <laughs> Sandy! Oh, Sandy! <laughs> if he was doing the voice, oh. I'd stay. I'd stay. I'd stay if he was... school pull out instead of... <laughs> oh! <laughs> I hate myself. I hate myself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, this was a roller coaster. The amount of times he went flaccid and got hard again. I mean, just in that story, I'm, I'm talking like four different times. No. F***ing hell. Can only get it up for Grease, apparently. I wonder if he likes Grease too, because I really love Grease too. I mean, you've just got to be thankful it wasn't any other musicals, because, I mean, you don't really want him coming <laughs> and singing. the tale of Sweeney the opera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I I see why this fit this episode. Well, (laughs) I I have another one sitting in my inbox that's a musical one, but I just thought, you know, Grease is like a 50s rock and roll musical and Rocky Horror was like a 50s rock and roll. I can't. Oh, very tenuous link. Um, So Barry Bostwick was the (laughs) original Danny Zuko in the original production of Grease. What on on like stage? On stage, he originated oh. the role. Ah, oh, I know. What, I know why I put this. Like this week. Um, anyway, um, Mikey, um, thanks for sending that in. Um, Would you have been out at any point? Because I mean, I don't. I'd know. have been out when the flaccid dick was in my mouth. I've, I, I'm not being funny. I've got things to do. I have not worked this hard. <laughs> I've got things to do, and if you're going to insult me by losing your erection while your dick is in my mouth i've got smirnoff ice to drink downstairs you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i have my fourth bottle of ice downstairs Uh, i just i just don't get it like it seems that it was like a deliberate thing like oh my god do you reckon he can control his bonus and he's like well that's kind of how it sounds like i mean it kind of sounds like he has a bit of a super dick going on because he's He's kind of got... And he likes Zac Efron. <laughs> and he likes Grease. I like Grease. If he likes Grease 2, I'm in. Because I think Grease 2 is the superior film. Because it's All it's dreadful. It's dreadful. But Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. So, like... But Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I, I just... I, I, wow. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, Mikey, <laughs> wow. um, I am, I'm actually going to give you a call tomorrow. Um, I, I don't think we've spoken, like over the phone for like a couple of years but um this is i think this is what's going to rekindle our friendship the thing is i kind of want to know what he's doing now because the thing is imagine if he's on working with us imagine if he's he's on on stage just just absolutely (laughs) coming everywhere (laughs) when he takes a bow just absolute spaff (laughs) my god Grease lightning comes on and he just slides on in. <laughs> oh my lord! I just I <laughs> I have no I wanna words. Know. I want to know. It's just such a shame he was such an absolute knob at the end. Though I know, I know. Like if 
Right, I'm not saying it's like you know when cats do something, yeah. like they fall over and then they look at you like it's your fault. Mm-hmm. That's exactly I have a cat who falls over did. every five seconds. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> does she give you the eyes? Yeah. She's oh like, my Why god! Did you do you laugh? reckon? Do you reckon cats does it for him? Touch me. <laughs> I don't think cats does it for anyone. To be fair, unless no. it's unless it's the live action version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, with the weird. Anyway, let's not go into that. that let's not go into cats. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm go- I'm actually going to ask Mikey if they're still in, like if they know what this guy's doing because if he if he's yeah. doing anything performance wise, I'm I won't chat. I won't out into the world. Um, but I will be following his career with great interest. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So guys, if you pay close attention to <laughs> Liam's Twitter and uh, Instagram, any new follows, it yeah. may be, it may be. Oh right. shit. I am. Uh, what an absolute. I know. Strange, <laughs> strange, strange situation. No. Uh, and, and, I, I'm really in a nice way possible. I'm really glad Gareth had to leave before he had to hear that. To be honest, um, but it, it, I'm sure he's yeah, had worse. Gareth, if you're listening back and you want to use any of that material, for, you know, take it away. I wonder what. I wonder if that. I wonder if this guy likes Rocky Horror. He must do. Rocky Horror must do it for him. What if he's a listener? Oh my god! If can right, you imagine if we, right. we tell a horror hookup story and then the other person hears. If it. that if that <laughs> happened, right? Listen, if you are a listener of the podcast and you know you know that the story is about you, I will not judge. Well, I've apart from I've already apart from the judgment, I won't judge because I've already done it. Um, won't judge any further. But yeah, if you could like slide into my DMs and just let me know. If it's just Greece, if it's still Greece, if like you moved on to like, I don't know, more refined taste and you're like, oh no, it's guys and dolls, you know, singing in the rain. We're already wet. You know what I mean? Like little shop of horrors. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> oh dear Lord. Suddenly. Stigma. <laughs> oh my God. I have had an absolute Boss, this episode. I'm not gonna lie. Same. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's been a joy. So yeah, our um, Gareth actually after they are actually on tour in Australia at the moment, and you know, like, I mean, booked and busy, booked, booked and, and blessed, blessed, booked and busy, booked I don't and know. Yeah. blessed. So yeah, yeah. Um, a huge, 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 massive thank you to Gareth Joyner for joining us this week. Uh, this month, actually, and this week, and today, and this hour. It's all right. Yeah, I think you've said this week the whole yeah. episode. So but it's, people, yeah, people on um, <laughs> absolutely. It's been an absolute blessing just having somebody else who, like, is a bigger Rocky Horror nerd as I am has been mm-hmm. stunning. I will also say, um, just on the on the way out of this this episode, um, I would recommend as well uh, two other podcasts to listen to. Um, one is the, the episode I did with Johan, of the Trash Tapes podcast. I believe it was on the Trash Tapes podcast and not the not-so-trash one, because <laughs> uh, I know he he runs two and it gets confusing. I don't know which one I was on. But we've always said I think Rocky Horror would be a great double feature with Phantom of the Paradise. It absolutely would. Oh, my so God. Yes. If you want to hear us talk about that, then uh, go and have a listen. Also, me and Liz- Liam this month went and only competed in a quiz with the boys at the Horror Hangout podcast. Yeah, we did. And not meaning um, to say that we, we f***ing ate, but we... Oh, we my eaten. God. <laughs> uh, you know what? 
in the if you want to hear us slay yeah if you want to hear us slay go and listen to that episode (laughs) if you you know from here on out i'll be your commander you know what i mean like (laughs) just and oh but the (laughs) kelly there is a kelly Rowland question in there don't do not (laughs) no we're not going to talk about that because i'm (laughs) confused about that that was trick that was a trick they tried to make me look like an absolute (laughs) fool and they they didn't succeed because spoiler alert folks (laughs) we We did but we knew i think we knew yeah uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was that that was a good time. It was I enjoyed great, that. Yeah. Um, so if you want to test your own hands at some horror trivia, go and listen to that episode. We've uh, we've linked it um, on our Instagram, I mm. believe already. We've shared it a ton on Twitter. We've done something, so you should be able to find yeah. it fairly easily. Um, so as usual, uh, you can find out all our social media in the description below. You can f- just make sure you follow Super Freak Media across all your social networks. And, um, yeah, there's some exciting stuff coming uh, your way for the end of Halloween. Uh, there's always these. In- oh my god! There's always these incredible blog posts that appear on who, who the Super Freak those? Media blog. I'd and, love to meet that guy. Um, <laughs> one of them. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a genius and it just came to me in a dream, but like, like I may have just come up with the best drag name ever in one of them. And I think I've heard it somewhere before, but the idea of Seance Knowles is like one of the, Seance Knowles is one of the greatest thing ever. But if you like bad puns, spooky shit and a gay man talking absolute tribe, um, go and read, well, not tribe because I'm, you know, I'm amazing. It's only highbrow, yeah. highbrow material. It's highbrow, classy material over. But at- I will say that the highlight. So I mean, we've got we've got entries on um, haunted places in the US, mm-hmm. uh, how to have a séance, a bit of filming and TV. Yeah, um, just lots of Halloween related content which you're going to love. Um, but a personal highlight has been the séance uh, blog post so far because. The puns are just. I know. Next level. I don't know what was happening. I think you about did yourself yeah. on that. Um, I think you've set the bar quite high. Oh, it's all right. For, it's for it's, future posts. it's all good. I'm working my way through more as well, not as we speak, because I'm paying attention to what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, it has been a really long day, and I am getting tired and hungry. So, what? Uh, before Gareth left, they were very kind enough to sign us out this month. Uh, but before you go. Uh, join us next month because we are going to it's another big one folks it is a big one you know some might say we have such sites to show you um yeah we we are going to get bloody kinky and downright dirty and explore the hellraiser franchise full disclaimer there will be about half an hour where i do discuss Henry Cavill's foray into this franchise. Um, he, I preferred earlier when you said entry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be talking about Henry Cavill's entry uh, at length in great detail <laughs> with my tongue firmly in my cheek. Which cheek? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, thank you for joining us this month. Um, 
don't know. I feel like this episode's been a fever dream. Yeah, honestly. it really has. I'm going to listen back to this and it's just going to be like, we're going to have zero energy at the start because it was 6am. Yeah. And then suddenly at the end, <laughs> we'll be like, but we're tired and hungry now, yeah. so goodbye. Um, <laughs> you can put this in there as a disclaimer uh, right at the beginning of the podcast if you want. But like, if you notice energy levels are going up and down in this uh a, I have bipolar. Uh, <laughs> I'm hey, I don't have that excuse. <laughs> but no, uh, we had to get up really, really early this morning uh, so we could secure uh, our spot with Gareth because uh, they are very busy. And we are very, very grateful that they did so. Um, but it's yes, also, we're running on very little sleep and it's getting late. So yes, Gareth is going to sign us off now. Join us next month. Yes. Bye. Bye. Join us next month. Thank you for listening, and closets were not made for people. They were made for monsters and babysitter killers. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. Happy, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> happy, happy Halloween. Oh. <laughs> Some might say I'm Halloween stop ends. That. <laughs> stop. <laughs>